Welcome to the Live Free, Love Life podcast, where we discuss how to create more freedom so we can love our lives no matter what we're going through. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Live Free, Love Life. Today, we're going to be talking about trauma. We want to put ourselves in the driver's seat of our healing so we can transform our scars into badges of resilience. So let's start with a story because we all love stories. I attended a university only three hours from my home. And one year, as I returned to school after Christmas break, I found myself driving in a terrible snowstorm, what I would call a whiteout. And that means I couldn't see anything but white and dark because it was at night. I couldn't see the road. I couldn't see the side of the road. I couldn't see the landscape. I couldn't see the sign. I couldn't see the mile markers. I couldn't see more than a few feet in front of my car. And I was in the middle of a mountain pass far away from any towns. I was terrified that I was going to drive right over a cliff and not even know it, or that someone would come up behind me and hit me because I was going really slow and I couldn't see very far in front of me, which means they couldn't see very far in front of them. Staying still also didn't seem like a good idea because we could freeze to death or we could run out of gas while trying to keep our car running so we didn't freeze to death, or I could get hit by someone coming up behind me. Plus, I didn't really know where the side of the road was. So I couldn't be sure that I wasn't stopping right in the middle of the freeway or that I wouldn't fall off a cliff as I pulled over to what I thought was probably the side of the road. I was about as scared as I have ever been in my whole life. Fortunately, a semi who could obviously see much better than I could came up behind me and I got in their tracks and I just followed them out of the mountain pass and into the next town. I took the first exit we came to I pulled my car into a gas station and I just shook. My whole body was violently shaking and I just let it. I didn't try to stop it. I didn't try to pretend I was okay. I didn't judge it. I didn't judge myself for shaking so violently. I just let myself shake. And at some point, my nervous system felt calm again. The snow had stopped and I got on the road and I finished my drive back to school. I didn't know this at the time, but I actually did this perfectly. The moment I was out of danger, I let my body do what it needed to do. It gave me a lot of adrenaline, norepinephrine, and cortisol, as well as fear, stress, anxiety, other emotions, to get through that experience safely. This helped me to be alert and focused with faster reaction times. And once the danger was over, it wasn't helpful to have all those hormones and emotions floating around in my system. And my body knew exactly what to do to complete the process as long as I didn't get in the way. I don't have any trauma from this experience. I never had any trauma responses from driving, from driving through mountain passes, or from driving in the snow because I completed the healing process without holding any trauma in my body. There is a video on YouTube, which I would love for you to all go look up. If you just search Impala shaking off trauma, you will find it immediately. An Impala gets caught captured, whatever, by a leopard. And for all intents and purposes, the Simpala is dead. It knows it's dead. You can watch its face. It totally knows it's dead. It's over. So it goes into freeze. That is part of the survival response. We got fight, flight, freeze. Just freezes, lays dead. It goes totally limp. And then something happens and the leopard runs off. Something scares it off or something. And you watch the Impala and it just lays there for a minute, still playing dead, still doesn't know if we're safe, still doesn't know what's happening. And then once it decides it's out of danger, 
it just starts to shake, just like my shaking after my snow driving experience. It just starts to shake. It shakes and shakes and shakes and then gets up and walks off as if nothing ever happened. In nature, we can watch animals and we can see that is the natural response. We have a whole bunch of things happen in our body when we're in danger to help keep us alive. And then our body knows what to do to finish those, get those out, shake them all off. And then we can go right back to living our lives. And because I sat at the gas station and just shook, which I had no idea at the time, I did not know this is what this process looked like until I started learning about trauma and working on all of my own traumas. I read a book called Waking the Tiger, and they talk about this really well if you want to learn more about it. Nature knows how to do it. What we humans do is we get in our own way. Our body knows what to do, and we're the ones getting in our way. We push our emotions down. We push our response down. We judge it. We don't want to look embarrassed or humiliated. We push it all down instead of letting our body continue the response. So why is this important? Let's talk about what trauma is first. Trauma is a specter that lurks in the shadows of the human experience, a lasting mark left by the storms of life. It is an intricate tapestry woven from the threads of pain, fear, and helplessness. While the word itself might conjure up images of catastrophic events, trauma extends beyond the realm of physical harm, seeping into the very fabric of our emotional and psychological well-being. A Google search defines trauma as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience that overwhelms an individual's ability to cope. Uh, If you keep scrolling, another definition is an emotional response to a terrible event. There are lots of definitions of trauma. It can be a singular shattering event or a cumulative weight borne over time, etching its presence into the recesses of our memories. I like to think of trauma not as the event itself, but as, as what is left behind afterwards, if we don't allow that healing process to complete. And there are three reasons for this. First, the impact of trauma is not confined to the moment of its occurrence. It reverberates through time, casting a long shadow that colors the lens through which we perceive the world. Reason number two, we can go through something terrible without holding on to any trauma, as the story I just told you illustrates. And number three, it gives us power over it. You cannot change what happened to you. If what happened is the trauma, if the event is the trauma, there is not much you can do about it. That means you will be in bondage to your trauma for the rest of your life because we can't change that event. We can't change the thing that happened. But if trauma is what is left behind, disconnected from the event itself, and your body knows exactly what to do to heal from it, you are back in the driver's seat. You can free yourself from your trauma. The manifestations of trauma are as varied as the human experience itself. It can manifest as overreactions. I'm putting that in quotes for those of you just listening. Acute stress disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, or linger as a pervasive undercurrent in the form of complex trauma. Terrence Real said something about overreactions that I will never forget. He said, we never overreact. Now just take that in for a second because you're probably thinking of times people in your lives, because we look to other people first, have overreacted. But he said, we never overreact. We just aren't reacting to what's in front of us. These are what I call trauma responses. This is when something happens or someone does or says something maybe with a particular facial expression or a tone of voice, and your body instantly goes into fight, flight, freeze. You aren't reacting to what's in front of you. You're reacting to what happened to you in the past. 
because you never completed that healing process. You didn't let your body shake it out. So that trauma is still stuck in your body. The trauma from that experience, what is left behind, is running the show. The aftermath of trauma permeates every facet of our being, from the way we navigate relationships to the lens through which we view ourselves and the world. In the realm of relationships, trauma can act as an unseen hand, shaping the dynamics in ways that may not immediately be apparent. Trust, a fragile commodity, becomes a rare gem as the aftermath of betrayal or violation lingers. Intimacy can become a battleground where vulnerability is met with the echoes of past wounds. The cycle of trauma may repeat itself as the unresolved pain of the past influences the present, creating a web of dysfunction that entangles those caught in its grasp. Yet the human spirit possesses an innate resilience, a capacity for healing that transcends the scars of trauma. Just as trauma can echo through the chambers of our soul, so too can healing be a transformative force that reshapes the narrative of our lives. Healing from trauma is not a linear journey. It's a nuanced and often arduous process. It begins with acknowledging the impact of past experiences and granting oneself the grace to feel and express the emotions that may have been suppressed. Remember, that's when we didn't shake it out. We didn't let our body complete the process. We suppressed it. This is not weakness, but a courageous act of self-compassion, a crucial step toward reclaiming one's agency. There are three levels where we can create freedom from our trauma. The first one, level one, is trauma responses in the present. An awesome place to start freeing yourself from trauma is in your trauma responses, your reactions that look like overreactions because you aren't reacting to what's in front of you. Let me give you an example of what this could look like. I was in the car with my husband. We were sitting in a parking lot at a restaurant, waiting for the hostess to let us know that our table was ready. I don't even remember what we were talking about. He said something, don't know what it was, and I was instantly in fight or flight. I'm pretty sure it was his facial expression or his tone of voice or a combination of the two, not necessarily the words that he said. But my brain saw those things and immediately had a response. Instead of reacting to him or what I was feeling in my body, I hit pause because I was working on my trauma. I said to myself, this is a trauma response. That means this isn't about what's in front of me. I read about a study in which they hooked people up to brain imaging machine and they showed the pictures of scary things and they watched as their amygdala lit up in their brain. And for one group, you know, they have the control group. And then the other group, they had the participants say, this is fear, the moment they felt fear. And the response in their amygdala immediately lessened. They could see it on the brain imaging. It went down just by labeling the fear. Labeling what is happening is super powerful. And it actually creates a physical response in your body. Your nervous system will respond. So this is a trauma response. Next, I focused on my breath. I dropped out of my head and into my body, noticing how my breath felt as it came in and went out. Then I added the words, I am safe. When we have a trauma response, it feels like thing happens and then physical emotional response. I use the word instantly. Husband said words, I react. My body reacted immediately. It feels like that's just step one, step two. 
What we don't see is the step in the middle. This is how it really goes. Thing happens. Brain says, I'm not safe. Then physical, emotional response. We don't notice the thought, I'm not safe, but it is there. That is what creates the response. Our brains ask, am I safe? Multiple times every single second. When the answer is no, our body goes into fight, flight, or freeze. And remember, when I say you're not reacting to what's in front of you, we're reacting to something in the past. Back in the past, your brain had very good reasons for deciding whatever we're seeing right now was dangerous. A lot of the trauma responses that we have are from when we were children. When I was five years old and I couldn't take care of myself in the same way I can as an adult, I really wasn't safe. My brain had a really good reason for determining something wasn't safe. Let's just give an example. This is not a real example. I'm not going to give you details of my real trauma in this episode. But let's just say that because it was my husband's facial expression and tone of voice, let's just say that my dad, he did not, this is not a real story. Let's just say that he had that facial expression and tone of voice every time he hit me. My dad never hit me. Let's be clear. But do you see how if I'm five, And my brain associates that facial expression and that tone of voice with being in real physical danger. That later in life, when I see that facial expression and tone of voice, my brain thinks I'm in actual danger. These responses were created in situations that are valid. We don't have to think we're crazy. We don't have to ever think that we're overreacting because we're not. We're reacting to something from the past when we were actually in danger. Your brain has a really good reason for thinking that whatever you're looking at now is dangerous. Okay, so meanwhile, I'm over here. My eyes are closed. I'm focusing on my breath. I'm telling myself I'm safe. And meanwhile, my husband is sitting there staring at me and having thoughts. And when he tried to talk, I just put up my finger just like this, the universal sign for give me a minute. And I stayed with myself until my body calmed down. I was in the car at the time, and my body didn't tell me anything particular to do, but that was the beginning of my journey to heal my trauma responses. Today, if that happened, I would probably have gotten out of the car and shaken. I I do this now pretty much daily to release pent-up emotions. Step one, when we are working with trauma responses, label it. You can call it a trauma response, a survival response, fight, flight, or freeze. It can be any label that you want that feels right to you. Step two, breathe. Take deep breaths. Focus on your body. Listen to your body. Step three, do what your body wants. You might want to yell, scream, hit something, run, shake, etc. I want you to remember the Impala. That's why you need to watch this video so that image is burned into your brain. Do what your body wants to do. Don't judge it. Don't hold back. Don't be worried about people judging you. Let your body complete the process. Now, let me be clear. When I say screaming and hitting, I do not mean screaming at people or hitting people. It means you may want to just scream at the top of your lungs, letting a loud voice come out of your body. If you want to hit, I have punching bags in my basement for a reason. Sometimes I want to hit because my body is in. Right. So if that's what my body wants to do, I go downstairs 
and I punch the crap out of my punching bag because that's what my body wants to do to complete the process. Step three is do what your body wants. Make sure this is a personal thing. We're not yelling at people. We're also not hitting people. This is a personal process of letting your body do what it wants to do. Some of you may have noticed when you have some of these responses, you want to go for a run. Do that. Let your body complete the process because it already knows exactly what to do. Step four, create safety. You are having this response because your brain thinks you aren't safe. And again, for good reason. Tell your brain that you're safe. Way back in the past, we may not have been safe. But right here in this moment, you are safe. If you're not, of course, get yourself to safety. We're talking about trauma responses that seem like overreactions to the situation we are in. So in those, we actually are safe because we're not reacting to what's in front of us. We're reacting to something from the past. You have to let your brain know that you're safe. You may have to repeat, I am safe a hundred times. Let your body know in your brain that you are safe. And step five, cultivate self-compassion. It makes perfect sense that you are having this response because of what you've been through in the past. A crucial step on the journey to healing from trauma is to acknowledge and validate your emotions. Allow yourself the space to feel them without judgment or self-criticism. Embrace the courage to confront the pain and discomfort, recognizing that these emotions are valid responses to the challenges you faced. Extend kindness and compassion to the version of you who went through those things. Forgive yourself for any perceived shortcomings. Recognize that healing is gradual. Treat yourself with the same gentleness and understanding you would to a close friend or a child. Now, while coaches are generally not the first choice for trauma, we're going to get to what is generally the first choice in a second. They are probably the best choice when working on level one, on this level that we've been talking about, because coaches focus on the present and the future rather than the past. Okay? Coaches are awesome for level one. For level two, we want to go to more like therapists rather than coaches because they are going to focus on the past. Level two is resolving what happened in the past. Level one are trauma responses in the present. Level two, resolving what happened in the past. As we change our reactions in the present, we can simultaneously work on the past to prevent the reactions from happening in the first place. We're simply tackling it from both directions. So for level two, step one, seek professional support. Engage the expertise of a mental health professional to guide you through the healing process. Choose someone you trust and listen to your intuition. Here are a few options you may want to consider. I've tried pretty much all of these. If you have been using one and you're not making the progress you want, try a different one. The first one is talk therapy. Therapists, where we go and we just talk about stuff. If, if you've been doing that for years and you're not making progress, it's time to switch to something else. It can be super helpful. It's on the list for a reason. All of these can be super helpful. But if you're not moving forward, it's time to try a different modality. So we've got talk therapy. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, also called CBT. Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which is also called EMDR. That's what most of you probably know it as. Uh, Accelerated Resolution Therapy, that's ART. I personally love that one. 
dialectical behavior therapy, DBT. Um, you could also try hypnosis and energy work. I've also done both of those. You want to choose someone that you really trust is there for your self-healing. The most important thing to remember on level two is that you can heal fully and completely. You can give yourself freedom from your trauma if you want it. So again, if you're not making the progress that you want with one modality, switch modalities. And this list is not extensive. There's probably tons more options that you could try. We have to start with believing that you can completely heal from your trauma. That means if one thing's not working, you're like, oh, well, I'll just try the next thing because I know I can heal. I'm just not making the progress I want right here. Let's try something else. Okay, step two in this level of going to the past and resolving what happened in the past is forgiveness. As the journey unfolds, forgiveness emerges as a potent force in liberating yourself from the chains of resentment. Forgiveness does not condone the actions that caused the trauma. Rather, it is a gift that we bestow upon ourselves, a release from the shackles that bind the heart. There is so much to be said on this that we'll just do a whole different podcast episode just on forgiveness and the power of it and what it can do for us and how it's a gift that we give to ourselves. It's not really about other people, but it is a powerful tool in resolving what happened in the past and can help us let go of our trauma. Okay, level three in healing from trauma is to be proactive. We're going to prevent future trauma. Now that you understand a bit more about how and why we create trauma, it's possible to free yourself from future trauma. And we do that by listening to our bodies, feeling our feelings, and letting ourselves have our experiences without judgment and without trying to control them. We prevent future trauma by being the impala, by mimicking the way animals do it in nature. They, as far as we know, they don't hold on to, they don't have trauma. Getting caught by a leopard and almost dying is not a traumatic experience for an impala because they don't hold the trauma in their body. They have the experience, their body processes it, and then they move on as if it never happened. So that's what we're going to do. We can prevent future trauma by purposely being the impala, by letting our body complete the process and have whatever experience it needs to have to do that. You cannot prevent terrible things from happening. Okay? We're just humans. We're not superheroes. We're not magic. We can't prevent terrible things from happening. They are part of the human experience. But we can choose how we respond and how we process those experiences, which means that we are in the driver's seat of our future trauma. Because it's only trauma what we hold on to it and keep it in our bodies. Remember my drive in the snowstorm. When I think back to it, I can remember it in so much detail. It feels like what I would call a traumatic experience, but it wasn't. I didn't hold on to any trauma. I didn't create trauma in my body because I completed the process. So it was just a scary moment in my life, but I don't have trauma from it. We can prevent it if we're willing to feel, if we're willing to let our bodies do what they were designed to do. So let's talk about some ideas to help set you up for success when it comes to preventing future trauma. Step one, practice mindfulness and grounding techniques. You want to incorporate a mindfulness practice into your daily routine to anchor yourself in the present moment. 
You could do meditation, body scanning, deep breathing exercises, breath work, qigong, yoga. Again, not an extensive list, just a few ideas to get started. These activities can help you cultivate awareness and help you get more connected to your body. Your body already knows what to do. The more connected you are to your body, the easier it will be for you to get out of the way and let it do the work of healing. Step two, establish healthy boundaries. Identify and communicate your boundaries in relationships. Establishing clear boundaries is crucial for creating a sense of safety. Learn to prioritize your well-being by recognizing when to assert your boundaries and when to seek support. Step three, engage in therapeutic activities. Explore therapeutic activities that resonate with you. Art, music, dance, writing, anything in this category. Not an extensive list, just a few ideas to get you started. They can be powerful outlets for expression and self-discovery. These creative endeavors provide alternative avenues for processing emotion and fostering a deeper understanding of yourself and your journey. Step four, develop a routine for self-care. Prioritize self-care as an integral part of your healing journey. Establish a daily routine that includes activities promoting physical, emotional, and mental well-being. Regular exercise, nutritious meals, adequate sleep, they all contribute to a foundation of resilience. Include something that helps you to process emotions in your daily routine. That's why I shake every day. Step five, foster a growth mindset and celebrate your progress. Embrace a growth mindset by viewing challenges as opportunities for learning and growth. Shift your perspective from a fixed view of yourself to one that acknowledges your capacity for change and development. Celebrate the progress made on your healing journey, no matter how small. Healing is a continuous process. And recognizing your achievements, no matter how incremental, reinforces your resilience. Take pride in the steps you've taken and the person you are becoming. Remember, healing is a personal and unique journey, and there is no one-size-fits-all approach. Each step forward is a triumph, a testament to your strengths and determination. As you navigate this path, be patient with yourself. Seek support when needed and embrace the transformation unfolding within you. You have the power to rewrite your narrative and emerge into a future shaped by resilience, self-love, and the promise of a brighter tomorrow. The narrative of healing is not about erasing the scars of trauma, but transforming them into badges of resilience. It is a testament to the unconquerable strength of the human spirit, a declaration that the past does not dictate the trajectory of the future. While its impact may be profound, it does not define who we are. The journey of healing is an invitation to reclaim authorship of our own stories, to paint with vibrant hues of resilience and self-love and the unwavering belief in our capacity to heal. And I know this is possible because of my own journey. Let me paint a picture for you. The triggers that once sent shockwaves through my senses now elicit nothing but a mild ripple. It's as though the very essence of who I am has undergone a metamorphosis, shedding the scars of yesteryears like a snake discarding its old skin. It's not just a lack of reaction to the familiar triggers. It is a profound shift in perspective. Compassion has become a cornerstone of my existence, where bitterness and resentment once held sway, empathy now reigns supreme. 
I find myself extending the hand of understanding to others, recognizing the struggles that may be hidden beneath the surface, because that's where mine were. It is one of the primary reasons I do what I do. Once perceived as a hostile battleground, the world has transformed into a tapestry of shared humanity, each thread woven with the stories of resilience. Gone are the days of constant vigilance, scanning every interaction for potential threats. Trust, a fragile commodity in the aftermath of trauma, which I'm sure you all know, has blossomed like a delicate flower in the garden of my heart. I no longer view every smile with suspicion or interpret every silence as a harbinger of betrayal. Instead, I've learned to trust others and perhaps most importantly, myself. As I reflect on my journey, I'm acutely aware of the desires that fueled this profound transformation, the yearning for peace, for a respite from the ceaseless turbulence within has been fulfilled beyond my wildest dreams. The hunger for connection, for relationships unmarred by the shadows of distrust has been satiated with the warmth of genuine bonds. The thirst for self-acceptance, for a love that transcends the scars of the past has been quenched by the wellspring of newfound compassion for myself. This podcast is not a proclamation of invincibility. It's an ode to vulnerability. The acknowledgement that healing is not a linear path, but a mosaic of highs and lows, setbacks and triumphs. It's an invitation for those who still tread the rocky terrain of trauma. Reassurance that the destination, though maybe obscured by the mist of pain, is within reach. In the tapestry of my life, the threads of trauma are no longer conspicuous. They are woven seamlessly into the fabric, adding depth and resilience to the overall design. The scars, once perceived as blemishes, are now badges of honor, testaments to the battles fought and won. I wear them not with shame, but with quiet pride, for they are the stepping stones that led me to this place of healing. As I stand in the glow of my own metamorphosis, I am keenly aware that the desire for healing is universal. The yearning for a life unburdened by the weight of past traumas transcends individual narratives. It is a shared aspiration, a collective prayer whispered by hearts in search of peace. If my journey can serve as a beacon of hope for even one soul navigating the tumultuous seas of pain, then the echoes of my past will have found purpose. In the tapestry of life, each thread has its own story. The thread of trauma, once a dark stain, has been rewoven into a narrative of resilience and redemption. The protagonist of the story is not an unblemished hero, but a survivor who emerged from the crucible of pain with newfound strength. The magic that facilitated this transformation was not a wand or an incantation, but the alchemy of time, self-reflection, and the unwavering belief that healing is not only possible, but inevitable. As I conclude this chapter of my narrative, I do so not with a sense of finality, but with the anticipation of new beginnings. The healing journey is ongoing, a continuous exploration of self-discovery and growth. Each day is a canvas, waiting to be painted with the hues of joy, love, and resilience. The echoes of my past may linger, but they are now whispers drowned out by the symphony of a life reclaimed. In the vast expanse of my present, I am free. Free from the shackles that once bound me, free to embrace the beauty of existence without the heavy burden of past traumas. The wounds have healed, leaving behind not scars of sorrow, but marks of triumph. This is what I want for you.
live free, love life. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might want to check out my live free, love life membership, where we actually do the work of creating freedom so we can love our lives. Go to itstimetolivefree.com for details.